Heavenly Father, we want to bless you this morning for your word. Thank you for talking to us as your loving children. Lord, as we are here, we have come expectant, willing to hear you, willing to be blessed of you. Father, we ask that you do not pass any of us by. Beginning from the preacher to the clergy, to the entire congregation, from the big to the small, speak to us as your children. Bless every individual here through your word. Father, as many as need repentance, let there be repentance today in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you because of the revival you have caused to start in us. The fire will continue to burn. It will not quench. Thank you for hearing us. I have no word of my own, as you know. But I covet that you use me as your own oracle. I ask, O oh God, that you speak to your children in a way they have not heard before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, once again, I want to thank the whole of this church, particularly the leadership of the church, for the opportunity to be here again. I have been asked to discuss briefly agents of revival, a repentant heart. Because of time, we are going to uh, concentrate on a repentant heart uh, as much as time will allow us. Um, what I will do this morning, I will just read a, a passage of scripture, Luke chapter 13, from verse 1 to verse 9. After that, we will go back to Jonah and uh, look at Jonah. And what transpired between Jonah and God and Nineveh. Luke chapter 13. There were present in that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that those Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all that dwell in Jerusalem. I tell you nay, but except ye repent you shall all likewise perish. 
And he spoke also a parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these ye three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none out of it. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it, and if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. I'm using this passage to illustrate to us how Jesus Christ our Lord viewed repentance. Repentance is a very important message that he preached. And in this passage, on two occasions he said, Unless we repent, we will all likewise perish. Emphasizing that repentance is essential for salvation. Repentance from sin, repentance from wickedness, repentance from straying away from God is essential for salvation. Jesus emphasized that, and we are emphasizing that yet again. Even if you don't hear any other thing that will be said today, hear it and hear it loud and clear. Without repentance, you are doomed. That passage also gave us an insight into why people don't die immediately the same. God gives us time to repent. But that time is not infinite. God gives a long rope, but there is an end to it. I don't know where your own is going to end, but repentance is essential for salvation. As we look at Jonah, we'll bring out a few other things. The book of Jonah is a very controversial book. Some people think it's a fiction. But Jesus confirmed that the things in Jonah actually happened. He made references to them himself. Jonah, the son of Amittai, lived during the reign of Jeroboam II between 1793 and 1753. He lived in the city of Gath in Galilee. His contemporaries were Hoshea and Amos. So Jonah was a historical person. He passed through this earth and he experienced 
what he put down in the book. In Jonah chapter 1, the Bible said, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Nineveh was established shortly after Noah. So it was a very great city, had lived for a very long time. It was known for their wickedness, was the headquarters of Assyria. And they were wicked for so many years. Wicked for so many ways. For so many years. But a time came when God said, I have watched this is enough. They were not seeds of Abraham. They were not under the promise, but they were created by God. So God's eyes are on every person that he has created. Whether you are a child of promise or not. God's eye was on Nineveh. When God could no longer tolerate the wickedness of Nineveh, he called Jonah and said, Jonah, come. I'm sending you to Nineveh. Go and cry against Nineveh. But what do we see here? Jonah decided not to obey God. It's an honor to be called by God, to be commissioned by God for any work whatsoever. It's a great honor. It's a rare privilege for God to ask you to do anything for him. No matter how small or how great. And I will tell you that Jonah wasn't really qualified, as we will see, for that job. But out of the mercy of God, out of his compassion, God honored him by giving him such a great task. A man living in a village... God wanted him to be known and ask him, leave your small place of God's heaven. I'm taking you to Nineveh. But he will say no. Many of us are like that. God picks you out of nothing. Brushes you up and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to show that one can be righteous in your profession. I want you to demonstrate that you can live without corruption. I have called you out to judge your generation. And we say, no, we can't do that. We tell God, no, I'm not ready. Jonah did that. 
And he decided. But he was so insulting. He didn't even bother to discuss with God. He just left. He had money, as some of us do. Went to Joppa. Bought a ticket. To move away. To Tashis. Away from the presence of God. He thought he could do it. Because he had the resources. He thought he could move away from God. Because he felt he had control of his life. Just like some of us. We think we own our lives. We want to do whatever we want to do ourselves. Without interference. We don't want anybody to ask questions. About how you are conducting your life. Because you think it is your life. You want to live it the way you want. So did Jonah. Jonah felt it was his life. And he moved the opposite direction. From where God wanted him to go. God wanted him to go west. He decided to go. Go east, he decided to go west. Away from where God was leading him. Jonah was a typical example of disobedience to God. Running away from the presence of God. Jonah was a very stubborn person. He had a heart of stone. A calloused heart. So even when God wanted to stop him from running away, by sending a wind, by sending the wave, by trying to stop the ship, because of the hardness of his heart, Jonah didn't budge. He just went Away from where people were praying to their gods. Which he knew were no gods. He moved away from them and went to sleep. He had a heart that needed repentance. Calloused heart. Stony heart. So many of us have such hearts. Can't touch it. Can't change it. Once you make up your mind, you have made up your mind. Nobody can talk you out of your opinion. Even when God was using nature to call attention to what he was doing, hmm, he refused. God used the hidden unbelievers To talk to Jonah. But Jonah will not change. How many times have you as a child of God been spoken to by unbelievers? Who clearly told you that what you are doing is not what God wants you to do? That you are out of the will of God. How many times? How many times? God used nature. God used human beings, hidden, people who didn't know him, to talk to him. 
Jonah, go back. Amend your ways. No, you will not. So clearly, Jonah was not really prepared for the job that God wanted him to do. And God had to allow him to pass through these paths so that his heart might be prepared for the job ahead. Of course, when he insisted on going his way, he found himself in the sea. And he was swallowed by the fish. I don't want to get into that controversy, whether it was fish or whale or any other animal. But the Bible recorded fish, and that I believe, because God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, without permission from anybody or any creature or any organization. The Bible says he was swallowed by a fish and he was swallowed by a fish. Praise the Lord. You know, when Jesus talked about that kind of heart that Jonah had, he referred it as, to it as a reservoir of defilement. That unregenerated, calloused, stony heart that runs away from the presence of God. Is a reservoir of defilement. He said that every form of defilement comes out from there. And I want you to examine yourself whether you are still having that kind of heart. The heart that keeps churning out defilement, murders, adultery, fornication, theft. Does that still come out from your heart? Backbiting, quarreling, are these things coming out from your heart? Then you had the kind of heart that Jonah had for which God sent him into the belly of the fish. And why he was there? He now realized himself. May God bring us to a point where we will realize ourselves in Jesus' name. Because in Jonah chapter 2, from verse 1, then Jonah prayed. You know, in chapter 1, even those hidden people asked him, Jonah, pray to your God, the living God. We know that when you pray, he will answer. After introducing himself, he said, pray to your God. Jonah refused. He didn't pray. But when he was inside the belly of the fish, the Bible said that Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed in his affliction. In the belly of hell. You see, many of us are systematically walking ourselves to the belly of hell, to the place of affliction. We are gradually allowing ourselves to get to that point where we will have no choice 
than to recognize the sovereignty and supremacy of God. Meanwhile, God is giving you opportunity to escape that. But we are walking towards that, like Jonah. He said in verse 2, And said, I cried by reason of my affliction. I cried by reason of my affliction. It was affliction that made Jonah to recognize who God was. It was affliction that caused Jonah to repent. You see, that passage I read first, there was affliction on people. And Christ was turning their mind to know that they could also go through such afflictions. But he didn't want them to do that. He wanted that to be an example unto them. So that they could repent without passing through such afflictions. God is calling us today also. Repent. Leave that thing you are doing. It's of no use. Return to God. God wants to use you. God is willing to cause a revival in his church. And he's waiting for you. But he cannot use you when you are still fiddling with immorality. He cannot use you when you are still fiddling with lying. He wants to prepare you a vessel of honor that he can use. He's calling you to come back. Come back. Come back. He repented. As you read that chapter, you notice that this man who wanted to be away from the presence of God, when he got to the bottom of the See, he desired the temple of God. Jonah indeed repented in the belly. And it was after his repentance that God said, Okay, fish, the work is done. You can bring him out on dry land for the work I asked him to do. Who is willing to ask God to do the work in his life? Prepare me for the work you have called me. Remove every impurity. Everything that has stopped me from doing what I'm supposed to do. I need it out. That I can do your work. God is merciful. He will listen. Now to the main text. When he came out. I like the fact that he didn't just jump into Nineveh to go and preach. He also waited. He waited. Because the will of God may have changed. So he needed to hear from God again. Sometimes it's important to do that. Don't assume that the old anointing is still on your head. Wait until there is a new instruction. He waited until God said, Uh Uh-huh, Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid you. Go and preach. 
Jonah waited for the instruction. And this time there was no argument because Jonah had a repentant, regenerated, soft heart, sensitive to God. Anytime you have that, when God talks to you, you will hear and you will do. We are not doing the will of God because our hearts are not regenerated the way they ought to. Get a regenerated heart. Nobody will be pleading with you to make yourself available where God has called you to be. Jonah agreed. He are, so Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord. Not according to his own word. And Nineveh was exceeding great city of three days journey. And when he got there, he started preaching. Yet, 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Yet, 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Short message, but powerful. Because there was a prepared verse willing to do the will of God. Short message. He didn't need to preach for one hour, for ten hours. He didn't need to write a very long epistle. Short message. You know, as I was going through that message, I even noticed that he didn't ask them to repent. He didn't. Yet, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. There was no provision. In fact, in chapter 4, he got angry that they repented. But because God was using a prepared vessel, a repented, repentant heart, whatever he said was not really very important. Because God had anointed the message. And the people had it. They believed God. <laughs> they did not believe Jonah. That's not the record. The Bible said they believed God. They recognized that that message was from God. In 40 days. And Nineveh will be overthrown. Some of us will say, God is a loving God. How can he preach such harsh message? God's message will always be, I love you, I love you. I will build your house. I will relocate you from Transiclu to GRA this year. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> um, you will stop using keke. Now you have your own vehicle. You not only drive, you give lift to others. That's the kind of message we always expect from God. But it's not always true. Yet, 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. It was a message from God. And those people, I told you earlier, they had no covenant with Abraham. But they recognized God speaking. When they had, they believed God. They believed God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
until we preach, people will not hear. It is only when we preach that they will hear and they will believe. As soon as they believed God, the Bible said they proclaimed a fast. Jonah chapter 3 describes what repentance is all about. First, you have to hear the word of God, which will convict you of your sin, of your error, of your mistake. Whatever you have done wrong, you will hear the word of God speaking to you. It may be like this. It may be in your inner heart. It may be reading the scripture. Or somebody may just make a comment by your side. But because it's from God, it will touch your heart. First, the word of God will tell you this thing you are doing is right. Your wickedness is enough. The next thing is that they proclaimed the fast. They were sorry. They sought the face of God. The message was from God. And it was only God who could help them. That's why they turned back to God. Repentance is not just being sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. So there, is, there is godly repentance and there is earthly repentance. Godly repentance involves turning back to God and doing what God wants you to do. Not just regretting what you have done. Many people have regretted what they did and died after regretting that. Judas regretted what he did. He was sorry. He had grief. He had sorrow. Well, that wasn't repentance. He didn't turn back to God. What he did was to commit suicide. Not too long ago, a pastor, mistakenly, I, I don't know whether it was a mistake or, or God wanted it that way, he posted some salacious pictures online and they went viral. And when he got to know, instead of turning back to God, he committed suicide. That's not repentance. He regretted his action. Repentance is more than regretting what you have done. Many people regret what they have done when they are discovered. That's not repentance. Whether people know or they don't know, you tell God, I'm sorry. I will not do this again. Grant me your grace, the enablement to stand for you. They sought the praise of God in fasting. That's the next step. They humble themselves from the greatest to the least. They all humbled themselves. I'm impressed by their king. The king had it. He left his throne. He left his position. He knew it was not the time to contend position with anybody. That that position was not going to help. He left it. He left his position. Many of us are held by the position we hold. That's why we are not turning to God. There are things 
that looks small, God has asked you. And when you look at yourself, you say, ah, me, professor. Of all things God will ask me to do is to be an usher in the church. As a professor. You mean that God has all recognized that all these things I have read, which the world has recognized. You speak very well, but they hardly ask you to preach. Instead, they call people whose English cannot be understood to preach. Because that's not where God is needing you. He said, no, if this one can preach, why shouldn't I preach? Even people you teach the Bible are preaching. And they cannot call you to preach. And that is a problem. It's holding you down. But the king left his position, the seat, the throne, the seat of authority and power. He came down from it. You know, it would have been good if he had sat on another seat. But he didn't. He sat on asses. That is the greatest way of humbling yourself. When you humble yourself before God, God will lift you up. The Bible said the man removed his... his uh, Royal regalia. He removed it and put on sackcloth. He led by example. Of course, every other person saw the king and followed. There are people God has raised in your family. God has raised you so that when you live the life of Christ in your family, when they see you, they will join and serve Christ. But you have refused to do that. Small, small lights God has put everywhere. Some are in government. God put you there. So that you will show example. So that those in government will see Christ in you. And look for him. But no. You will wear your regalia as an officer of government instead of wearing the togar of Christ. Not only did the human beings do that, even animals. That's how powerful revival can be. When it is God engineered. That's the extent it can go. When it is God engineered. Plants, lands that have refused to yield will begin to yield. Animals that have refused to bear fruit will bear fruit. Revival is not only humans that benefit from it. Everything around you. Sees the effect of the revival. And they get benefited from it. God is waiting for us. To make ourselves available. With. 
a repentant heart. I was also touched by the prayer of the Ninevites. Some of us will fast. Some of us will afflict ourselves as they have afflicted and assume that having done that, it behoves God to forgive us. That you have done your own part. So God must do his part. <laughs> they didn't do that too. They did their own part. And still recognize the sovereignty of God. That it is within God's power to say, you are forgiven. Or no, you will still face the punishment. They say, peradventure. Perhaps. God will see us and forgive us. Did God see them? Yes, he did. But not because they put it as a condition, which many of us do. In fact, we are commanding God in prayer, ordering God around as our slave. And you say you have done your own part. So God, you must do your own part. Who are you? Finally, the Bible said, God saw their works. Hello? God saw what? Their works. Repentance without works is no repentance. John the Baptist said it clearly. So the Pharisees and Sadducees who came for baptism, he said, you should go and bear fruits worthy of your repentance. Brethren, one of the major problems in the church today is that we come to church, we repent in the church. When we go out, we continue what we were doing. Many will cry here. Certain days, when the word of God touches you, you cry, cry, cry. But there is no work. You just go out and continue telling lies. Continue cheating. Continue struggling. Cutting corners so that you can have a car. Can build a house. That's where we are. What did God see? What did God see? Their works. And somebody will tell me, ah, we are in the dispensation of grace. Yes, I agree. But faith without works is dead. He said in the dispensation of uh, grace. James did not write in the Old Testament. Hope you are clear. May God see our works and relent. May the world also see our works and relent. Let me summarize. Repentance is essential for salvation. Repentance 
brings a renewed heart. A new heart. Ezekiel 18.31 It brings the time of refreshing in God's presence, which is what we are crying for. Revival. Acts 3.19 Repentance brings life. Ezekiel 18.21 And the very popular verse on repentance, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Repentance brings answers to prayers, forgiveness for sin, and healing to the land. Shall we pray? I just want you to talk to God this morning. You know yourself. You know your heart. You know your relationship with God, how it is. You don't, you can pretend before all of us. You can pretend before yourself. You can pretend before God. Ask God. You know what it is like. Ask Him for help. You know in that, in chapter 4, Jonah got angry that God relented, that God forgave these people. He said he knew he was a merciful God. He was compassionate. He confirmed that he knew God was going to forgive them. And that that was why he didn't want to come in the first place. God is compassionate. God is merciful. I don't know how long you have been there. God is merciful. God is merciful. And he wants to show you mercy this morning. I want you to talk to him. According to Jonah, the only people who miss the mercy of God are those who observe lying vanities. I don't know what is lying to you. What vanity is lying to you, is distracting you. The only such people, those that observe, who who pay attention to lying vanities. Lying vanities, they are the only ones that miss the mercy of God. May God show you mercy even as you talk to him this morning. I don't know if there's anybody here who has not given his life to Christ. You are playing on dangerous ground. I just want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ this morning. To ask Jesus to come into your life, your heart, 
and take over your heart. Replace this stony, calloused, hardened heart with a heart of flesh that will respond to him. If you want to be born again, this is the opportunity. Touch me one more time, Lord. Touch me one more time. Touch me one more time, Lord. Touch me one more time. Touch me one more time, Lord. Touch me one more time. Touch me one more time, oh Lord. I need a touch from the Master. I need a touch from the Lord. Touch me one more time, oh Lord. That prayer everybody and that song is for everybody are you here and you have been walking your way the years past in this third year of God's calendar is asking my son give me your heart my daughter give me your heart the way of this day a journey of this year, a way of getting on with God is tough, is rough, is long. You cannot walk on your own. You cannot walk alone. You need to surrender your heart to Jesus and your life surrender to Him and repent and let Him take over. This morning, Tell him, Father, I come to you and I surrender myself. And as you're here standing, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. The Bible says you believe with your heart unto salvation and you confess with your mouth. And you will call upon the name of the Lord by faith. You will be saved. There will be a turning around. Lord Jesus, thank you. You love me. You died for me on the cross of Calvary. You paid for my sins. I am sorry for my past life and my sins that have been with me up till now. I repent of them all. I turn sincerely to you as I confess my past life before you. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to give me a newness, and write my name in the book of life. And may I walk with you henceforth in the power of your spirit all the days of my life. Thank you as you answer me 
in Jesus' name. As many as receive you, Lord, you give the power to be your children, who we are born not of flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but by your power. And Lord, this one, especially who stand out here, of varying ages, but here, let there be a change that is permanent in the name of Jesus. Let there be a repentance that is genuine in the name of Jesus. Let all things pass away. Let all things become new. And let your peace well up in these lives. And let your grace abound unto them. And let that be a time of refreshing from you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.